Welcome to the Cross Current Radio Show, your spiritual speaker's corner, broadcast and podcast. Rights. Every human is born with them. They are essential for dignity, liberty, and security. Governments are paid to protect and promote them, and people everywhere passionately demand them. Yet, human rights are still violated in this world every day. In this intriguing series of TCC Radio, we're taking you in the studio and on the street with our outreach radio team to talk truth about who's right. Ultimately, the answer to this question is found not with God's image bearers, but within the character and nature of God himself. Finally, make sure to keep listening until the very end of each episode when we'll open God's Word to hear what He has to say about the subject. And now, with all that in mind, let's get this show on the road. In the studio and on the street with the Cross Current Radio Show. It's Corey with TCC Radio. Uh, Myself and Ed in here are chatting with Patrick. And uh, TCC Radio is a speaker's corner. We call ourselves a spiritual speaker's corner. And we're talking to people about human rights. Now, Patrick, do you believe that every human being has the same basic rights? For example, you know, uh, the right not to be lied to, the right not to have your property stolen, uh, the right not to be murdered? Yeah, I believe everyone has those same rights. I mean, we're all equal as one, so why not have the same rights as everyone else? So why do you believe that is? Why do you believe that we all have those same rights? I feel like nobody should be more important than someone else. We all are important to everyone. We all have people that we look up to. Why not have the same rights if we're all equal? Great stuff, Patrick. Thank you. So, um, not sure if you've ever thought of this before. I talked to another guy, and it's a bit of a curveball question, but it'll get you thinking. Though rights obviously matter, right? That's why we're doing the program. They aren't made of matter, like, like material. I can't give you like a bag of rights. If that's true, Patrick, where do you believe that rights come from then, if they're not made of matter? I believe they're more like how you treat people if you treat someone more fail more fairly than someone else you're not really treating them in the right way compared to if you treat someone else less fairly i mean if you're treating everyone equal then it's not really a material thing it's how you go about your day and how you treat other people okay and i think i think you're sort of onto it here so if you look at the idea of you know we talked about um uh the right not to be lied to so clearly i've just said something and and i can't give you a, a a pound of what I just said. It's not material. So where would you trace that to coming from? Where do those rights ultimately come from in your mind? The people you grow up with or family members that you look up to, they push you in the right direction. They tell you not to lie to people. They make a foundation of how you should treat other people. So would you say, Patrick, ultimately rights are a product of society? Uh, yeah, the way you look up to your role models and how people treat you is how you're going to treat other people. It's based on who you grow up around and who you live around. Okay. So now you've confided in us that you're a spiritual person, and you claim some form of kind of religious affiliation? Yeah, I mean, I try to go to church, or if I'm not busy, that's always a priority. What type of church? A Christian church. Okay, okay. so you're a Christian. Okay, okay, you call yourself a Christian. Excellent. So on that basis, whose rights are most important, ours or God's? What do you think? That's a tricky one. I mean... I'm sure 
God wants us to feel like we're more important, but I mean, some people might feel differently. Now, do you know what God says on this subject, Patrick? Have you ever kind of busted out a little Bible study on the idea of rights? Not really. Um, I'm not sure about that. Okay. Well, you might find this interesting. God actually says that he made people in his image. Genesis 1.26 says that, let us make man in our image. And the Bible also teaches that people receive their rights through the decrees of God's law. Right? For example, God says that we shouldn't lie, we shouldn't steal or murder, but we should love others as Jesus loved. That could probably makes sense to you. So, if people have rights, and you've said that very clearly, would you consider God, whose image people reflect, also to have rights? Does God have rights? I mean, yeah, I believe God has, God has rights. You should treat him as fairly as you treat anybody else if you believe in him. So could you bust out a few rights that you believe God might have as the creator of the universe, the sovereign ruler and king? No pressure. Go ahead. Uh, that's a lot of pressure. Um, I mean, he, you shouldn't expect him to do things for you. That's not his job. You're, it's all in your power. If you believe, then you should go after your own dreams. He's just, he's not, it's not his fault if things don't work out. It's not his responsibility. Things like that. Okay, so um, maybe you know this, maybe you don't, Patrick, that the Bible actually portrays God as having many rights, uh, the right uh, to be worshipped, the right to be loved, trusted, feared, uh, obeyed. And Scripture says that Jesus represented God on earth, and he instructed all people to love God and to love others. Have you ever heard that idea of do unto others, love God, love others? You've heard of that? Yeah. How are you doing with that? Good. You're doing, you don't go that. You're, are you, let me ask it this way. Are you perfectly loving God and other people? I wouldn't say perfect. I probably don't know anybody who's perfect about that, but as long as you work towards it, that's all that matters. Who's the only one who do you think could be perfect at loving others? Uh, I'm not sure about that. Would you say God himself? Yeah. You believe God's perfect? Yeah, I do. So let me, just quickly tell me your understanding, Patrick, of the gospel, because really what all of this lands on is good news because I think I think we would all agree that if we took a, a even just a cursory inventory of the world today, you watch the news, you listen to radio, read the paper, um, people aren't respecting each other's rights. The one guy said um, there are never times of peace. People are just reloading, right? So, what's your understanding of the good news? Why did Jesus come? How does the ministry, the person work of Jesus, play into this whole rights idea? Love God, love others. What do you think? How? What's the, what's the the good news of all that? Well, I mean, I think people are forced into doing mean or rude things. Like, that's not how they're brought up. That's just through their life they've got changed into that person or that's their, that's their job is to be a cruel or hard person. And, I mean, you can see through those little stories that there are people who disagree with that and want to be good to others and they treat others with respect and love. And, I mean, that's the thing you have to look at, not all the ways the bad things. Do you, do you believe that the default position of humankind is to love others or is not to love others? Do you think we're born with this intense love and passion for the, for the, uh, the dignity of other people? Or do you think we're born inherently selfish? What's, what's your thought on that? I think we're born to love. I mean, that's the first thing we're shown by our parents when we come into this world is love and compassion. That's what they show you. So you feel the need to show others. So I feel like that's, you're born to love, yeah. So, Patrick, have you ever, have you ever kind of Taking a look at what the Bible says about this, what God says about uh, about us, about Him, about the beginning, and why things are the way that has anyone anyone ever 
told you, how long you've been a Christian? My whole life. Your whole life. Has anyone ever sat down with you and said, this is why things are the way they are, and this is how God plans to, uh, to save us? No. Anyone ever told you that? No, not really about that, no. Okay. Hi, this is Corey with TCC Radio. We'll get you back on the street with Patrick, Eden, and I in a few. But first, here's how you can partner in the gospel with us. Hi, I'm Corey McKenna, president of The Cross Current. We all know that Canada needs Christ, yet how are the lost to believe in him of whom they have never heard? That's why we're asking like-minded Christ followers in Canada, will you help here at home with The Cross Current? Thanks to ministry partners like you, we were able to raise the minimum support necessary to send me into the field full-time on July 1st. But to launch a new online training platform and release a new radio program to reach more youth and young adults for Christ, we need your support. As you pray for us, would you consider sowing into our ministry and then go to helphere.ca. That's H-E-L-P-H-E-A-R dot C-A and give. We thank God for you and your partnership in his gospel. So the Bible says that in the beginning, God created man in his image. And the world was actually a much, much different place. The world, he says, was very good. We didn't see all the selfishness. We didn't see all the bloodshed, the death, disease. But when sin entered the world, death entered the world. You got this whole story in Genesis 3, whereby Adam and Eve, our first spiritual parents, they sinned. And when they sinned, death entered the world because of that sin. And since that time, we've now, everyone has been born with this original sin nature, this sin problem whereby David says, in sin did my mother conceive me. That doesn't mean his mom was sinful. It means that every person born since has a heart that's default position is self and sin. It's, it's not actually, actually good. And if that was the way the story ended, clearly every single person has lied. You've lied? I have, yeah. yeah. And uh, would you say then, you, I think you were pretty honest a few minutes ago, you, you would say you haven't loved God and others perfectly. No, I haven't. Okay. So do you, you believe God is perfect? Yeah. God is just and good? Yep. Okay. So let me ask you this. As the perfectly just, good, sovereign judge and king who's seen everything that Patrick has done or Corey has done, you die... One day, God appoints our death, and, and we're standing before him. So my question is, is if God is that good, that perfect, that just, and he says no sin can enter his presence, my question is, how does God both satisfy his own justice as a good and righteous judge, but dismiss our case, extend to us mercy righteously? Do you know what God did in order to both satisfy justice and, and demonstrate love, and do so uh, consistent with the rights, responsibilities of, of himself and man that he's outlined. You know what he's done? Yeah. Well, I mean, fortunately that hasn't happened yet, but if it does come, I mean, it's probably for the right reasons. Like, it's, it's time for when it's time, and hopefully you can have closure with that and, you know, say goodbyes, and he knows when it's ready, and you'll be okay with that. Hypothetically, you die tonight. Stand before God uh, as one who's, you know, very humbly, admittedly sinned, do you, do you believe that God uh, welcomes you into his presence and in his kingdom, or do you believe that he, he judges you um, in a place called hell? What's your thought on that pattern? I believe he would welcome me. I mean, everyone makes mistakes, and like it's, it's natural. As long as you live up to those mistakes, then there should not be a problem with accepting those mistakes and going into heaven, yeah? 
So can I ask you this, and again, you're a very kind guy. On what basis do you believe that? Is that your word, or do you believe that that's what God says about how things really are? Well, it's my word, I believe, but I think he should feel the same way too. I mean, you're, no one's perfect, and I think everyone makes mistakes, and if you can live up to those and apologize for those, then it should never be a problem. So could it be then, maybe, Patrick, that, that yourself and most people, you've been very honest, would say that they've ascribed their own standard to what judgment is, as opposed to sort of, hey, let's consider what God's standard is. It's sort of like, you know, here we sit, we're at a table, there's green grass. If uh, if uh, there was a sheep standing in front of us, we would say that sheep is pretty white. If it started to snow, that beautiful, fresh, white snow, the sheep would suddenly look very filthy, because the standard now of white has changed. Would it surprise you that Jesus, God in the flesh, actually said, be perfect as your heavenly Father's perfect? He declared the standard actually is perfection and you're not perfect and neither am I. Would it surprise you that God says that all liars will have their part in a lake of fire? What do you think a lake of fire is in, in Bible categories? What does that sound like to you? Very, it, there's not a trick question. Not good at all, let me tell you. Yeah, that's hell, because God is so good. See, sin is really, Patrick, not so much a measurement of how bad we are, but how good we're not. Remember the story in the Bible, the guy named Barabbas, and uh, basically he was, a, he was a, a murderer, he was guilty of insurrection, so many things. He was a thief, he was a bad dude. He looked really bad when he was brought before the people, but when Jesus stood beside him, the perfect sinless son of God, he looked that much worse. The standard of judgment is actually Christ himself. By God's standard, who has all authority, Jesus said he has all authority, we've all lied, we've all sinned against God, we've all, we're all guilty of breaking God's law, we haven't loved God, we haven't loved our neighbors as we should. God says to be perfect, we haven't been. It would be right for God to judge us all and to judge us under his wrath in a place called hell for all eternity. But thankfully, Patrick, God is merciful. And God says this, for he so loved the world that he sent his only son so that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. Here's the message of the gospel, and it's such good news. That God, in his mercy, he sends his son, Jesus Christ, who's fully man and fully God, born of a virgin. He lived a perfect life. He did signs and wonders and miracles to confirm he had had all power, all authority, brought people back from the dead. He goes at Easter, right, to a Roman crucifixion. He dies the death required as payment for sin. He says, it is finished. At the appointed time, he took on the wrath, the justice, the anger of his own father and the sin of those who would believe. He dies that death required as payment for sin. What a kind thing to do. He comes back from the dead three days later, has the power over death itself. He's raised to new life. And now he says, Patrick, Corey, Eden, there's nothing you can do to earn this. Salvation's a free gift of God. But if you'll repent, that means if you'll turn from sin and self, you'll forsake sin, you'll turn towards God with his help, and you'll put your trust in Christ alone to save you. Not only does he promise that you'll experience eternal life, your soul will be redeemed for eternity, which is a wonderful thing. The ultimate goal is Christ himself. It's, it's eternity with God where he's our God and we're his people. But he also says, Patrick, in this lifetime, you will live life with his purpose, with his meaning. You'll be part of his great commission, his redeeming work to save a people to himself. He'll put your feet upon a rock. He'll give you a mind that can understand the human experience because it's based on scripture and the truth. I just want to sort of summarize what our research suggests, Patrick. You've been very, very cool to talk. So certainly people are created in God's image and, and human rights are real because 
they come from God who is true and real. That's how we understand and reconcile that. But as humans, we all fail to respect the rights of others because ultimately um, we fail to acknowledge the supreme rights God has over our lives. We want to determine what's right and wrong. And gosh darn it, the heck with God. We know God exists. We suppress the truth about God. And so it's only by God supernaturally changing us from the inside out through his gospel, through repentance and faith in Christ alone, um, that people are able to give God his rights and acknowledge him as the real and true source of all human rights. That's sort of the, the summary. Now, I just kind of want to turn my attention to Eden for a second. Eden's a, a researcher with our, with our ministry. And I just wonder, do you have anything to add to the conversation, Eden, based on what Patrick and I have chatted about? Um, maybe just when, when it comes to rights, when we ask where do rights come from, we want to point out that rights is something kind of like a beauty or love or logic, something that we cannot see, we can only grasp in our minds, but we would affirm them as real. I mean, would you say that love is something which is real? Yeah, I believe that love would be something that's real, yeah. Would you say that a right is something that, that is real? Yeah, I believe so. so. What would you say, where is this place where the love and beauty and rights are real? Where is that place? What would you say? I guess it's who's shown you those things and how you've come to understand them. And I mean, it's different growing up in different places. It doesn't matter where you are. You can be shown anything anywhere. I think just to, just to interject, Ed's asking a great question. I think the distinction we're trying to make might be like the difference between the, the sun and the moon. Yeah. So you got the sun is the source of light. The moon reflects sunlight. So I think what we're hearing is you're pointing to the moon. You're pointing to people who reflect attributes of God. Absolutely true. One guy asked us, so wait a sec, are you saying you have to believe in God and, and really be Christian to be moral? I'm not saying that at all. Matter of fact, the Bible says people are moral even though they reject God because they're made in his image. So what we're saying, Patrick, is that the Son itself, God himself, the light, the truth, the way, Jesus Christ, he is the source and we reflect to each other and certainly to the world um, the truth of who he is. What happens when you come to salvation is we can do so in a way that honors him, that glorifies him, that worships him. If we don't come to saving faith in him, then the problem becomes is, is our motives are always tainted with selfishness and, and uh, hey, we, we might even be trying to preserve our own rights or your rights. Or, but the point is, is ultimately God says that he shares his glory with no one, that it's really all about his plan, his purpose for the world. Patrick, you've been so kind to chat. Uh, do you have any other questions as we close up? Uh, no, not no, not really. Yeah. Well, thanks for talking, man. We've really enjoyed it. Thank you. Personal. Uh. Let's get personal. Uh. And make sharing your faith a part of every day. Welcome to Let's Get Personal, a 60-second sample of personal witness training with the Cross Current. Who do you say that Jesus is? This simple question Jesus asked his friends is the same question we can ask our friends to get a conversation started about him. After your friend shares their opinion, why not open scripture and share what God says about himself? Because sharing God's word is the goal of all personal witness. And that's just a glimpse of how TCC can help you and your church normalize sharing Christ in all your personal relationships. Personal. For more personal witness center training, visit thecrosscurrent.com. Hi, this is Albert Moeller, and you're listening to the Cross Current Radio Show.
Welcome back to the studio of TCC Radio. I'm Corey McKenna, your host, and thank you for tuning in to part two of this intriguing series on human rights that we've called Who's Right? Now, last time in part one, we went all the way back to the very beginning of human history to look at the big picture of why we as humans have dignity and rights that no other living beings have. And this time in part two, we'll telescope several specific human rights to see how they only exist because they're given to us by God himself. So let's again open scripture and get specific about who's right. At creation, God made man and woman in his image with aspects of his own dignity and rights. And roughly 2,500 years later, he brought a nation of people to himself and gave them 10 very specific laws to further reflect his character and nature. Let's look at the rights revealed in these last five laws God gave in Exodus chapter 20. Honor your father and your mother, that your days may be long in the land that the Lord your God is giving you. You shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not bear false witness against your neighbor. You shall not covet your neighbor's house. You shall not covet your neighbor's wife, or his male servant, or his female servant, or his ox, or his donkey, or anything else that is your neighbor's. God affirms through his law, in Ten Commandments under the Old Covenant, and then again in the law of Christ under the New Covenant, that all people, in all times and in all places, have very specific rights given by him. As image bearers of God, all people who are parents have the right not to be disrespected. All people have the right not to be murdered. All people have the right not to be victims of adultery. All people have the right not to be lied to. All people have the right not to have others jealous for their stuff. All people have the right not to be hated by their neighbors. In fact, all people only have such specific human rights because humans are the only creatures made in the image of their creator. And, hear this, God says that he has universally hardwired all people to instinctively know their rights and know what's right because all people instinctively know him. Who's right? God is right. And although scripture says we all know God, in our natural sinful state, all people hate God and suppress the truth of God in unrighteousness, and unrighteousness ultimately leads to death. That's why we need him to save us, and that's the truth we're exposing again and again in this series. And as we close out this episode, let me equip any Christian listeners with a couple simple scriptural ways we can expose these truths in the hearts and minds of our own lost loved ones. The first is by biblically opening God's law to speak to the sinner's conscience. The word conscience literally means with knowledge, because we're all created in God's image with knowledge of rights and wrongs. God says that in addition to having this innate sense of his law, all humans are built with a warning system that activates when we choose to disobey or even ignore his law. 
This is why we can open God's law to speak to the sinner's conscience, hoping that the Holy Spirit magnifies in their heart the greatest good of the good news, God himself. And to tee up a second way we can expose suppression of truth when sharing Christ, do you remember that philosophical sort of question we've been asking skeptics on the streets in this series? It goes, though rights obviously matter, they aren't made of matter. If that's true, where do you believe rights come from? Now, if you were like really confused by that question, let me explain. In a strictly materialistic worldview, which is what most skeptics say they have, a non-material concept like human rights couldn't exist at all because that concept itself is not made of matter. That means, in a naturalistic-slash-atheistic universe, any type of morality or rights can't exist either. So really, what one animal does to another can't be right or wrong, but just chemicals reacting. So relax. Yet, Mr. Skeptic, we all know rights are immaterial, universal, and unchanging. So how do you account for anything immaterial, universal, and unchanging in a no-God universe that's only material, relative, and always changing. Now, the strident skeptic may bounce that right back by saying something like, how do you account for these concepts, Christian? Well, we can account for concepts that are immaterial, universal, and unchanging because they come from God, who himself is immaterial, universal, and unchanging. And, again, every human knows human rights because every human knows God. And as we kindly, gently, and patiently teach God's word to the skeptic, we start to see that their actions actually speak louder than their words. Because as image bearers of God, their attempts of quote-unquote moral behavior only further exposes the fact that they've rejected the God they do know and desperately need Jesus. That's a big reason why we at TCC go and tell the truth of Christ and equip others to do the same. Well, thanks for tuning in to part two of Who's Right on TCC Radio. You can visit us online at thecrosscurrent.com where you'll find free gospel outreach resources, more information about on-site training with TCC, and you can also securely give to our great cause of airing and sharing Christ right here in Canada. Until next time, I'm Corey McKenna, in the studio and on the street, keeping the cross current in our culture. Hi, I'm Corey McKenna, president of The Cross Current. Will you help hear H-E-A-R at home with us? Thanks to ministry partners like you, we were able to send me into the field full-time on July 1st. But to equip more Christians online and to engage more non-Christians on air, we need your support. To learn how to pray, give, and go with us visit helphere.ca. That's H-E-L-P-H-E-A-R dot C-A.
We thank God for you and your partnership in His gospel.